1. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 41. says there that then Jesus then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples sit ye here while I go to pray yonder and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy Then said he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. And he cometh unto his disciples and finding them asleep he said unto Peter what could you not watch with me one hour watch and pray that you enter not into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak so I want to talk to you tonight about the first trial we experience on our way to victory And that is the trial of will. This is an intense battle which takes place between our flesh and our spirit. It is one of the toughest battles that we will ever face because our flesh is always opposing the will of God. The will, the trial of will is the toughest because it is critical to our destiny. It is what determines if we're going to win the battle or not. And in this passage, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was an olive garden. It was the location that uh, represents the place of the olive press. In other words, it's the place of pressing, right? It is the place that... Uh, Jesus was experiencing extreme spiritual pressure that he was under uh, all of this great pain. Whether we like it or not, pain has a way of producing the anointing for our lives. It is not comfortable. It's not fun. It is uh, not something that we enjoy, but it is something that produces the anointing in our lives because oil is extracted from the olive much like the same way that juice is extracted from the grape the oil is on the inside and the of the olive and the juice is on the inside of the grape and the only way to extract the oil from the inside is through putting pressure on the outside so that 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 is on the outside breaks and gives way to that that is on the inside. And the pressure destroys the outer layer. It, it breaks out, the, out what is on the outside so that revelation can come to what is on the inside. 
it is that 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 we have uh, the purpose of our trial is for us to live in a place that we are the outside is broken so that the inside can be revealed. And so if the outer layer, the flesh, is not destroyed through the pressing, then what is on the inside cannot be released out of our life. And so what does that mean? It means that the anointing cannot fully be released without pressure. Amen. I knew you would be shouting over that. Amen. Gethsemane is not only representing a place of pressure, but it also represents the place of decision. This is where Jesus fought the intense battle in his mind. It was the trial of his will. He would he choose to be obedient or would he choose to be disobedient? I know that you've heard me uh, teach before and say before that that the battle was not won on the cross. The battle was won in the garden because it is there that he submitted himself. It is there that he chose to, to die. It is there that he went through the stress and the agony in his mind and, and the, this will, his will was on trial. This is what was taking place and it was there in the garden that his will was submitted to the will of the Father, right? And so it was not the cross. The cross was, uh, it's the reason why that he could remain silent and they would nail him to the cross and pierce his side and, and all of the agony that he went through and not say a word is because the battle had already been won. And so if we really want to, it was the, you know, uh, victories are not won in public, victories are won in private. Amen. Victories are not won hanging on the cross, victories are won in a garden when nobody sees you. And that is there that we make decisions, it is there that we make choices, will we obey or disobey? And so Jesus, thank God, won that battle in the garden. And whenever he did, he said, not my will, but your will be done. He made a decision. There is always a big battle between those two choices. There is a constant battle between what is right and what is wrong. Decisions are extremely important because they have the power to impact our destiny. Good decisions can promote your destiny and I believe even make it happen faster. But on the other hand, bad decisions can delay our destiny and we waste a lot of time. But the worst case scenario is bad decisions can destroy our destiny. Amen. For example, when we go into Genesis chapter 22, Abraham could have... um, miss God completely by refusing to lay Isaac upon the altar but he made a choice and not only would it what his choice would not only affect Abraham's destiny it would have affected Isaac's destiny also it would have been uh, not not only uh, Isaac but it would have affected Israel and not only would it have affected Israel, but it would have, if it was not 
uh, if there was no Isaac, there would be no Israel, right? And if there is no Israel, then there is no Jesus. And if there is no Jesus, then there's no you and I. Amen. And so it is important to understand that decisions can affect, (coughs) excuse me, then impact, change, and even abort our destiny. There is constant battle taking place in our minds between what is right and what is wrong. That's the reason why we must receive daily with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our mind. Amen? Our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we have to let this mind be restored, renewed daily through receiving the engrafted word of God so that we make right decisions, right? David said it like this. He said that he, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin, right? In other words, he's saying so that I might not make wrong decisions, right? And so he, he takes that word and he applies it to his life so that he, in, a, in the times of, of stress and the times of difficulty, he will make the right choice and not the wrong choice. He will, he will choose to do righteous instead of choose to sin. And so Jesus is, uh, he is also one of our examples here in the scriptures. He is under intense battle in his mind. Now, Walk with me with this a minute because it's evident that he is under great stress. Verse 38 says that he was exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. And so he was under such pressure until uh, they, that his sweat became as great, great drops of blood. Think about that. I did a study on this one time and, and they, the doctor said that it, is, uh, it very much is uh, possible for a person to get up under so much stress and it's been a, a few minutes since I did that study but it talked about that the, the blood would come out the sweat pores, the sweat glands and under that great intense pressure that the blood began to come out of his sweat glands or his pores, uh, that had to be some emotional pressure. That had to be uh, some spiritual pressure. His sorrow was so overwhelming that he felt like he was going to die. Can you imagine the pain that he is in? The battle Jesus faces was was between the spirit and the flesh. It was between the heart and the mind. It was between the will and the will his will and God's will? Would he choose to obey God's will or choose to obey his flesh? We all know what decision he made, right? We are on this side of the cross and thank God and we're grateful for the choice and the decision that he made. But what I want to ask you, the question that I want to ask today is when we go through intense battles between the flesh and the spirit, where do we make our decision at? Where do we make our decision? When we are in the heat of the battle, when we're under the stress, when we're under great intensity of pressure, where do we make that 
decision at, between the flesh and the spirit, between doing what is right and doing what is wrong, doing what is good and doing what is sin. Where do we make that decision? The answer is we make it in our mind. It is our mind that ultimately determines what we will do or not do. So to go a little deeper is this, what controls our mind? What is it that controls our mind? Because if our mind is controlled by our flesh, then we're going to decide and make decisions that will produce inevitable failure. Because if our mind is being controlled by our flesh, then we're going to do what the flesh wants to do. Are you with me? And Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In the garden, Jesus knew he had to die on the cross, but yet he battled between his spirit and his flesh. He battled between his heart and his mind. Have you ever had that battle? Paul had that battle, didn't he? He said, whenever I wanted to do good, I found myself doing bad, right? He said, whenever I knew what to do, but I I wasn't doing what I knew I should be doing, he said, this battle is going on in my life. He was real. And I think we all have this battle in our minds, between our minds and our heart. We have this battle that goes on in, in, the, in whoever is in control of our mind is going to determine how we're going to answer. He said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh is always weak to the will and the purpose of God because The will and the purpose of God is not the easy way, but it is the right way. Amen. It's not always a a, a easy road. It isn't something uh, that a lot of people have traveled. And our spirit is always willing to accept the will and the purpose of God. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is trying to war against it. Right? And so we've got our spirit... And our flesh that is in our mind is making the decision which way we're going to go. How are we going to answer the call? How are we going to respond? And so the battle between the spirit and the flesh, it is important to understand that it is the mind and the ultimate, uh, ultimately determines our obedience. It is the place of the decision. Watch this, Romans 8 and 6 tells us, For to be carnally minded is death, right? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So Paul comes along and he gives clarity even more to what I'm trying to say to you tonight is is that if you're carnally minded, then you're going to do the wrong. If you're carnally minded, you're going to sin, right? But if you're spiritually minded, then you're going to do the right thing. It's going to produce life and you're going to have peace. 
This is the challenge we face. We are going to be carnally and fleshly minded, then we're not going to be able to be spiritually minded. So we have to make a decision. Will we uh, be spiritually minded or will we be carnally minded? So that brings us back to the reason why that the scripture tells us, let this mind be in you, right? Which is also in Christ Jesus. So then to go back to our our main text, uh, what, what mind did Jesus have? He had a spiritual mind because he won the battle of the trial, amen, of the will. And so if he won the battle of the will or the trial of the will, how do, how, what kind of mind did he have? He had to have a spiritual mind. So we have to, if we're going to win the battle, we've got to be spiritually minded. Amen. How are we spiritually minded? Well, it goes back to what I talked or taught last Wednesday night. It it determines uh, we've got to be hungry, right? We've got to be hungry. And so we've got to be hungry for the things of the spirit because the more we change our appetite, and I gave a few examples and all of that, but if we change our appetite to we're hungry for the things of the spirit, then we're going to begin to get, have a desire for the things of the spirit. But if we're carnal minded and we feed the flesh, right? Then the flesh is what we're going to be hungry for, the fleshly things. And uh, I preached a message one time and and, I think I was in Lewisburg and uh, I don't know, may do it here sometime. But I was, I, I had a all kinds of good junk food, Twinkies, and chips, and all kinds of stuff. And I just threw it out there and gave it to everybody. I said, eat it, have fun. They just didn't know what I was doing. So they did what I told them to do. They just ate it. They had fun. And all the time while I was there, uh, I w- had me a flat skillet. And I had me a ribeye steak up there. Not one of them thin ones. You know how I like them. About two and a half inches thick. And uh, I was cooking that thing and cooking me some shrimp and had me some baked potatoes going on there. And I was cooking all of that while I was preaching and uh, had it all set up. Had my dining room table set up up there and the silverware and all the nice things. And, and I sat down and started eating me a steak. And I said, well, come on, you know. But uh, nobody took up me up on the invitation. And I said, that's the way it is. Every Sunday morning, I cook you a steak. But it, nobody shows up at the table because we've eaten and we're filled up with the things of the world all week long. And so there's no appetite now for the things of the Spirit. Amen. And I, I wasn't just ditching on them. That, that's, the, that's the body of Christ at large. Amen. We, we are filling the flesh. We're feeding the flesh. We're feeding the carnal. But is, are we feeding the spirit man? Are we feeding the things of the spirit? And so we have to decide what is it that we want. You know, I like ice cream. Amen. But if I know I can get me a two-pound steak, I'll leave the ice cream in the freezer. Amen. 
because that ice cream's good for a little bit, but I'll be hungry in a few minutes. But that steak, I tell you, that'll stick with you. Come on, somebody. Amen. And uh, so the, re- <clears throat> the reality is, is that while it works in the natural, it also works in the spirit. And if we're, we're eating the things in, in, in the spirit realm, so to speak. We're eating those things in the natural realm that is just junk food. Then we're feeding the flesh. Then we have no appetite for the things of the spirit. And Jesus had, even though he had a trial, even though he had his garden experience, he, he went through that and, and the battle was not in his spirit or his flesh, it was in his mind. But he made the choice, nevertheless, amen, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, the battle wasn't, what, was he going to sin or was he going to do what was right? The battle was in his mind. And he came to that conclusion because the spirit controlled his mind. He had the mind of the father, right? And then he tells us to have that same mind, which is in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus faced a dilemma. His, his flesh wanted to choose a life free from sorrow, distress, and, and, and that trial. But the choice would not have led him to victory. So he... Uh, the only way to victory was to choose the perfect will of God. And Jesus encountered this place of decision. If there be any other way possible, then let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When he said, nevertheless, this was the moment that he made up his mind to obey God's will and purpose for his life. He didn't have to make up his heart or his spirit. They were already willing. But he had to choose to ignore the flesh and his mind line up with his heart and his spirit. Are you with me? And had Jesus rejected the cup and chosen a different way, we would have never had the opportunity to accept salvation. There would have been no redemption. His decision would have not only affected his destiny, but it would have affected you and I as well. Amen? For decisions not only affect and change our destiny and make, uh, and decisions that we make affect our destiny, but our decisions uh, that we make and choices that we make will affect our destiny, but also future generations that are to come. And so thank Jesus that God, that Jesus won the trial of the will. Amen. Thank him tonight that he was able to overcome and give you and I the victory so that we today can have this opportunity to cry out to God and be saved Amen. By the remission of our sins because of the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. Thank God because of the choice that Jesus made in the garden. That you and I can have a life and a life worth living. 
Thank God because of his decision that we can accept salvation, the old man is gone and the new man lives. Amen. Thank God because of his decision in his mind, he chose that which is of the spirit that you and I can experience a spiritual life here in this earth. We don't have to wait to go to heaven. We can experience it here in this earth. We can experience redemption. We can have the life of wholeness here in this, in this life. We can have our destiny fulfilled because he fulfilled his destiny. And so we're looking tonight at this and we understand that the battle was not in his heart. It wasn't in his spirit. It was in his mind. And so it is with us. So it is with us. We have to decide how we're going to live our life. As I said, was it Sunday morning? We have to decide to follow not just believe, but follow Jesus. Making that decision, determining that, and then living by the Spirit. How do we live by the Spirit? We live by the Spirit through the Word of God. Amen? And so, when we don't know the decisions to make or the choices to make, then we fill our minds with either the flesh or the spirit and it will determine how we decide a thing, how an, at the outcome of a decision will be made because the flesh, when we are controlled by our flesh, our flesh never wants to submit to the will of God. The flesh never wants to do what is right. Amen. It always wants to do what is easy. It always wants to do what is best for it. Amen. But whenever we are controlled by the spirit, then we, we, it may not be the easiest thing. It'll take us to the garden. It'll take us to the place of pressing. It'll take us to the place where that what is on the inside or what is on the outside is broken so that what is on the inside will, will come out that will be revealed. And that isn't always the easy way. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't like it. I think there ought to be some other way. But it is the way. Amen. That is the way. What is on the inside, that purpose and that destiny, that, that outside shell has to be crushed so that the anointing can come forth and be able to be used in your life. Decisions does not only affect you, it affects you and generations to come. Don't you wish that people's decisions would only affect them? Amen. It would be so wonderful if people's decisions only affected them. But nobody, nobody, unless, unless you don't have any ancestry and you're a hermit, you can't make decisions and it not affect other people. Amen. 
And we have to, we have to understand that. I've heard people say before, well, you know, it's my life and I can make my decisions. I'm not hurting nobody else. I'm not affecting anybody else. But that's not true. It sounds good, but it's not true. Because the decisions that we make will affect not, not only us, it'll affect our destiny, but it will affect generations to come. My grandfather and grandmother's decision to follow the Lord affected my parents. And my parents' and my grandparents' decisions to follow the Lord affected me, affected my siblings. Amen. And so our outcome of our decisions are more than just us. It affects those around us. It affects our families. And and you may be serving the Lord and and, and your, your children are not. They may have chosen have chosen and said, you know, that's not for me. But I promise you that what has been sown into them, they can't get away from it. Amen. The truth of the word of God, can, they cannot get away from it. And so Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26 and verse 41, he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. What is the trial of will what is the trial of will that we need to overcome it is temptation what is temptation some would say that it is sin but let me just kind of simplify it in my own way if I could temptation is anything that causes us to turn away from God's will because of the battle in our mind Jesus didn't turn away because of this battle. In fact, John 16 and verse 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen. And greater is he that is in us tonight than he that is in the world. So we do not have to worry about the temptation. What you know about Jesus is, is that he overcame temptation and because he has overcome it, then we can also overcome it. And no matter how much pain, no matter how much pressure there is, no matter how much temptation that comes our way, we can overcome. We've just got to make up our minds. Amen. We've just got to make up our minds that we are going to overcome. We've got to make up our minds, you know, and and a lot of folks are talking about, you know, the, the spiritual warfare and all of that. And I understand spiritual warfare. I understand principalities and powers of darkness. I understand all of those things. But I want to tell you the battlefield, but, you know, it's, and every, a lot of every, any time that people come up in understanding, there's always those that go from one side of the pendulum to the other. You notice that? There's those that say there's no devil to those that, that see him every day. Amen? Uh, the devil isn't real, and then you've got somebody else, you know, he lives under their, their bed, and he probably does. <laughs> but, but the, re- 
But the reality of it is, is he, he doesn't exist or, or people seeing him every day. But the truth of it is, is that there is a, a warfare. There is a battle. There is a struggle that is going on. And, and, but it isn't out there, you know, people, I see people hollering and yelling and it did not so much, but used to, uh, you know, there was a season of that, of people saying, you say, what are you doing? We're doing spiritual warfare. And I understand there's sometimes you've got to speak with authority. You've got to pray with authority. You've got to declare some things and make declarations. I understand all of that. But the battle that you're facing and I am facing is not somewhere out there in warfare. It's right between our eyes. The battle is right in our head. That is where spiritual warfare takes place. That is where we either give in to the flesh or we submit to the spirit. Amen. And, and that's where we overcome when we choose the word of God, when we choose to, to speak the word, when we choose to say that I'm not going to give in to the lesser way, the easy way, the comfortable way. I'm not going to give in to my flesh, but I'm going to stand. I know that it's going to cost. I know it's going to be tough. I know that it's going to be a pressing way and it's going to be a difficult Imagine the stress that Jesus was under when the blood came out of his pores. That is great intensity, but he was not going to uh, dismiss that and say, oh, uh, there's got to be another way. He said, if there is, then, then great. But if not, I, I want you to know, God, I am willing to do the price. I am willing. I am going to commit to what is right. Amen. And temptation that cannot be there is no temptation uh, that cannot be overcome. Jesus overcame it first. He said, and because he overcome it, he came back to you and I and he said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And so the first thing that we have to overcome to have victory in our life is to walk into that place and through that place of the trial or the of our will what are we going to do because we have a will aren't you glad we have a will amen and i'm glad tonight that that, that god has given us all a will and yet it is not as hard choice to be made guess what? You're right. Amen. If you think that you, you can't overcome, you're right. If you think you're, you, you know that it's you know, gloom and despair and agony and hee-haw spirit, then you're right. Because that's what we chose. And I know that, that and understand that it's a lot deeper in that, but it begins there. Amen. It begins in our mind. And so we make a choice that I will declare the decree that the Lord has spoken unto me. I will believe the report of the Lord, right? And then so 
we, we can't allow our minds to become the sewer uh, pit for the devil and just allow him to put in everything he wants to. Because what happened to the, to the children of Israel whenever they went into the land? And the Bible said that there was 12 of them that went in, right? And 10 of them came back with the same report to the church. And they said to the church, this is, this is what we have, that, that it is true, the land is full of milk and honey. It is true that the grapes are, are great there and large there, but said that, that there's giants in that land. And their report was this, they said that they're all giants in that land. That's not the truth. That's what they thought. Amen. There were some giants in that land, but all of them were not giants in that land. Are you with me? And they made up their mind that they were defeated. So they decided they were defeated, so they were defeated. But Joshua and Caleb had a different perspective. They'd seen the same giants. They seen the same mountains. They seen everything that the other ten seen. But they, they, in their minds, they determined something different. They said there are giants in the land, but we are well able to possess the land. And so they, even though that they had to go through it because their disobedience, they, they came into agreement with the majority. And so uh, they, they had to go through 40 years in the battle and the wilderness and all of the things that went on. But Joshua and Caleb, because their mindset was, we're not going to die in this wilderness. There is a land that flows with milk and honey, and we're about to go to it, praise God. Amen. And, and Joshua rose up at 80 years old and said, look, he said, the same anointing that was on me the day that I went in the first time is on me right now. And I'm able to make war. I'm able to go in and I'm able to come out. His mind was set that he was not going to give in to the flesh, but he was going to stand with the spirit. He said, this is the land God has given me and we're well able, said, let me go in. And he didn't want what had already already been conquered he said give me therefore this mountain how did he know that mountain was there I believe he had already went to the top of that mountain <laughs> he had already been there and he already knew what was there he said I don't want a mountain I don't want a place that has already been won and occupied and then uh, the victory is won I want that mountain that the victory has yet to be won and brothers and sisters, there are mountains in our life. There are victories that are yet to be won. But we've got to hold on to the word of God. We've got to hold on to what is truth. We've got to hold on to what is righteous and not allow our flesh to talk us out of it. Amen. There is mountain, you know, uh, Mountains, those mountain climbers that climb the mountains and go to the Mount Everest and the, the peaks. And they said that there is a, a coffee shop or a, they call it a halfway house. And they stop there halfway up that mountain. And they said inevitably that there will be at least half of the people that will decide to stay in the coffee shop. The rest of them will go out and begin to climb Mount Everest and go to the top of the mountain. They said at the beginning whenever everyone else is getting their stuff together and begin to climb the mountain 
and, and said there is laughter, there is joy, there's excitement in the coffee shop while they make their decision to stay behind. But they said that the evening time as they can see out the windows and they can pierce, see to the top of Mount Everest and those who have chosen to get out and go to the top begin to arrive at their destiny, their destination. They said that inevitably that it would be like a spirit of depression that would come over the coffee shop. Everyone would become quiet and silent and they would become a heaviness and a discouragement that would fill the room because they made a choice that they were going to stay in the place of comfort rather than to get out and climb the rest of the way to their destination. And I believe that the enemy talks us out of many times our destiny, our destination. He talks us out of staying in the place where we're comfortable and our flesh is comfortable and it is, it, it is easy in this place and comfortable in this place instead of getting out and getting a hold of and receiving and obtaining what we began this journey for. So I don't know about you, but I want to climb to the top. I want to pierce over to the other side. I don't want to see the promise that God has given to us individually and corporately. Amen. Gethsemane is a place where we make our decision. It's where we determine in our minds we will possess the land we will go forward we will obey the word of the lord amen so tonight i just want to to challenge you with this and just say tonight that in the midst of our trial in the midst of our temptations to remain faithful to the word of god how do you know if you're going to make the right choice or the right decision Just obey the Spirit. Just obey the Word of God. Side with God. Side with His Word. Side with His promises. And we will win. Amen? Praise God. That's what I have for you tonight. I've got a lot more, but... It would be another hour's worth. And Brother Jack needs to get home and watch Gunsmoke. Amen.